All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome into today's episode of Around the Slice. Of course, we are back to the Bills game recap show today. Specifically, though, it is a Friday. This is kind of new, right? Because I've never, the Bills haven't played yet on a Thursday night football game this season, hence why I've never done a Friday recap show this season. But I'm excited for the Bills Brooks preview. So without further ado, let's just dive right into it. So for the baseline score, Bills win 24-18. And I'm going to tell you right now, we could have scored, if we really wanted to, we could have scored at least like 38 points, 38, 39 points. Um, I'll talk touch on that later, but missed opportunities for this Bills offense and um, a drop pick six, actually, um, that we could have had as well. Uh, but multiple missed opportunities by this Bills offense. We could have piled it on if we really wanted to. Uh, I will say, though, it came down no Hail Mary. Again, Bills beat the Tampa Buccaneers 24-18. to And they threw a Hail Mary. Baker, well, first of all, it was a five-yard offside penalty, but I can't remember who, by some Bills defensive lineman. It doesn't matter who. Shouldn't happen in that situation. But Baker throws it. They got four seconds left, and it's almost – and no one even turned around for the ball. No Bills defender touched batted it. No Bucks receiver even tried to get it. Chris Godwin never even – if he had looked up, if he had looked up just a split second sooner like this, we would be having a much different conversation right now, and we would all be miserable. It would be an, a Hail Mary walk-off touchdown win for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But luckily, Chris Godwin didn't locate it, and no one even touched it or saw it. So, But Bills win 24-18. I'm just saying that we could have piled it on 38 through 9 points to push if we really wanted to. Multiple missed opportunities by the offense, which we'll touch on later. Uh, Bills enact as pregame. Um, so the two we already knew about. So once the injury report came out Friday and Sean McDermott ruled these two out on Friday, uh, Friday, today is Friday. See, I got, <laughs> I get this all messed up. Like it's a Sunday game. It was Thursday night. Sean McDermott on Tuesday in his, that feels weird to say on his WGR weekly press conference, uh, WGR 550, great radio station. Um, lots of great content and listens there and people, um, Sean McDermott ruled out McDermott ruled out tight end Quentin Morris and linebacker Balen Spector. <clears throat> so obviously we knew those two weren't playing. So those were two of the inactives. And then Jermaine Athetti and Al Anderson, two offensive linemen. Those are like depth, depth offensive linemen in case of some, an injury break glass situation. And safety, Damar Hamlin. I've explained this every week. He's only been active for one game this season, but that was only because Jordan Poyer didn't play against the Dolphins in week four. You have Micah Hyde, you have Jordan Poyer, you have Taylor Rapp, and you unfortunately you just don't you have five safety on your roster, yes, but you'd you really don't under any circumstance have five active. And Damar Hamlin and Cam Lewis are both pretty good on special teams, but Cam Lewis gets the edge. He's been here longer. He cut his teeth, if you will, in special teams in this league and for the Bills. Is <clears throat> a local kid prospect, I should say undrafted free agent on a UB, so he gets the edge as being a special teams ace and gunner and all that stuff. And then, big one, cornerback Kyir Elam. I thought once Travis White went down, there were no situation ever where any game for the rest of the season that Kyir Elam would be inactive. Because I thought when Trey White went down, your top three outside, and of Taron Johnson's in the slot, so that doesn't count. 
your top three outside corners would be Christian Benford, Dane Jackson, and then Kyrie Lam backing up both those two. That wasn't the case. Josh, this is wild. Josh Norman, a 35-year-old, was elevated from the practice squad and beat out Kyer Elam, a 23-year-old, for a game day roster spot, a game day active jersey. That's that's bad. A former first-round pick in Kyer Elam and Josh Norman, a 35-year-old, beats him out. <clears throat> I'm sorry to say this, but Kyer Elam might be traded. He might not be on this team come Tuesday at 4 or 1 p.m. Eastern because the trade deadline is Tuesday, 4 o'clock Eastern. Um, before 1 p.m. Eastern, he might not be on this roster. So they could use him as a trade chip like they did as a throw-in deal for Zach Boss last year when they traded for Naeem Hines. That didn't really work out. Um, <clears throat> but I don't know what to say about Kair anymore. I mean, clearly he's just regressed. And that's the thing. He's been such a disappointment. And I don't want to see him traded. I'll be so disappointed if he's traded, especially considering – well, not considering, especially because last year – he played very well. He played pretty well for a rookie in man-to-man, actually decently well in zone when he got his opportunity when he had to come in. And then the playoff games, they started him. He was especially great in the playoff games. And now this year, he's just, I feel like, regressed to a whole nother level. He looked lost up there. He's too grabby with penalties. And clearly the coaching staff in front office might think it's time to mutually move on. I think Kair's frustrated too. He's a pretty quiet guy, but then he looks kind of robotic out there. He seems like he's overthinking it. He seems like he has no confidence in himself. So I don't know. His confidence is probably at an all-time low right now, but very disappointing to see just a first-round pick from really a year ago who you traded up two spots for even to get dealt a year and a half later. May, June. Yeah, a year and a half later about. So that's just disappointing and sad. Uh, injuries. Now, we didn't have any... <clears throat> and game injuries, thank God. Well, no, like long-term ones. Josh Allen, my heart stopped for a minute because Josh Allen went into the blue medical tent, but he said after the game he just got his shoulder dinged up. I think it was rookie pass rusher Yaya Diaby. Great name, by the way, Yaya Diaby. Um, box rookie pass rusher out of Louisville, Yaya Diaby, who I actually liked coming out of the draft for the Bills. But Yaya Diaby kind of fell on him after for the sack or after he threw a ball. I can't remember. It doesn't matter. Irrelevant, but he kind of fell on him. He dinged his shoulder a bit. He went to the blue medical tent. Kyle Allen was throwing on the sideline, and luckily Kyle Allen didn't have to come in. How close this game was, we would have blown it and we would have lost probably. But Josh was fine after the game. The mini bye week, he's probably going to have to get some ice. He's probably going to have to get some, be in the training room and weight room, or not weight room, train, um, recovery room and all that, just so he's 100% healthy. I hope it's not a situation last year where he says midway through with the season, the rest of the season, oh, my elbow's good, it's not affecting me, and clearly we look back and it did. I hope it's not one of those situations. But before the game, like a couple hours before the game even, Dawson Knox, tight end, starting tight end used to be, Dawson Knox was placed in IR. He's out at least four games. So I believe since this was technically before last night's game, the boxing counts as one is the first game of looking up. I think it was since they placed him on technically an hour or two before the game. So he'll be out at least four games. So <clears throat> um, he'll be out next week, week nine Bengals, week 10 Broncos, 
week 11 Jets. And then it gets dicey after that. Do you rush them back? Not rush them back. Do you put them back in there still kind of maybe a little hampered in week 12 against the Eagles? Or do you just wait till your week 13 bye, get them healed up, and then have them play week 14 against the Chiefs, hopefully full strength or as close to full strength you, you can get? That's what I would do. So I would hold them out for the next four weeks. So last night and then the next four. He doesn't have – he's not obligated to miss the Eagles game week 12. 12, but that's what I would do. But who knows? I mean, Bengals are underrated defense. Broncos are horrible. But Bengals, Jets, and Eagles are three very good defenses and it's very inopportune time, if you will, to miss Dawson Knox. I know he was very disappointing. He was the most disappointing player on this whole offense, maybe whole team, in my opinion, for this year. For through the first seven games. He he did okay at blocking. He was, he's not a very good route runner. He never was, never will be, unfortunately, sadly. Um, he dropped footballs, balls in clutch situations where Josh put it right on him and all that. But it does create mismatches. But I'll talk about how this affects, like, uh, 12 personnel looks versus 11 personnel with Dalton Gay, Quentin Morris. Some Reggie Gilliam maybe was sprinkled in last night. Um, interestingly enough, by the way, Duncan Gay was the only act, active tight end last night. Reggie Gilliam got some looks to set the edges blocks. David Edwards played his typical a lot more jumbo tight end role to set the edge for blocks, but Duncan Gay was the only receiving threat at tight end, which is fine. He had a great game. Uh, stock up. Now my usual stock report. Who really impressed? Who really helped their stock? Uh, Josh Allen. Now, I last week I believe I had him in mixed. Yeah, I had him in mixed. He was kind of ordinary, but stock up. Quarterback Josh Allen, he was 31 of – I always say the stats and then what I think. So 31 of 40, 38, 7, 38, 78 completion percentage, percent, 324 yards, passing yards, two touchdowns passing, one interception. He actually had 41 rushing yards and one touchdown. He had a designed run, like, on the second play of the game. And what a relief. This stadium was so relieved, and I was relieved at home watching, too, on uh, Amazon Prime Video because Ken Dorsey, they've gotten away from design runs. Teams have really just treated Josh as a passer with a cannon of an arm this year because they know he's not as wanting to run as much this year. I don't know how much the shoulder plays into that, but luckily he didn't, like, push his sh put his shoulder down and ram into any defender and get some extra yards. He had smart running. He slid a few times. He even ate the play, if you will. He even took a sack when, and maybe even last, as soon as last, as recent as last year, he would have forced an interception there, but he didn't. Speaking of the interception, it wasn't really his fault. It was unlucky. Anton Winfield Jr., who's just an absolute monster baller of a safety. I think he's still underrated. People don't understand his talents. No one talks about him with Derwin James. He might be better than Derwin James's safety. Better than Justin Simmons, maybe better than Kyle Duggar, all that. But Antoine Winfield Jr. kind of tipped the ball and it went up in the air for it was kind of flowing up in the air, but it was right at the line, so it's just unlucky. And Bucks defensive Buccaneers defensive tackle William Golston just got his big boss up there and kind of came down with it. It is what it is. I don't blame it on Josh. He is up to eight interceptions though in the year through just eight games. That's averaging eight divided by eight. That's averaging one interception a game, unfortunately, but I don't really blame that on him. I this year I kind of blame like five the eight on him. There's three that I think that he, 
wasn't fully on him, but that one especially last night wasn't on him. It was just unlucky. But I and then the touchdown. It seemed like Josh Allen. I think this was kind of like confirmed and floated around there as it happened and after the game. I think Josh Allen on the touchdown scramble, what was it, like 10, 12 yards? It was a short scramble, but 10, 12 yards, he he scrambles. He doesn't take any time to dance around the pocket. I think he called his own number, if you will. You know how players say that? I called my own number, and I just bailed and got to the end zone. I think what that means is I think he created his own play design. I think he it was a pass that Ken Dorsey called, and he checked it at the line. Um, We'll talk about – well, we might as well talk about it now, but – let me finish this thought, uh, sentence, I should say, rather. I think he checked out the line and kind of took it upon himself to audible and motion into the end zone by himself. He called his own play, if you will. Speaking of that, I thought Josh Allen, I honestly thought this, well, Miami was his best game of the season. But you could argue this was the second best game of the season. Yes, they only put up 20 points, him in the offense. But this interception was unlucky, like I said. Josh Allen was cool, calm, under pressure. First of all, he was barely under pressure. We'll talk about the offensive line in a minute here. Later on, a few minutes, actually, I should say. Um, What was I saying? Josh Allen was very confident himself. He said in his uh, press conference a couple, uh, earlier in the week, a couple, a few days ago, I think it was on Tuesday. It doesn't matter. I think, yeah, Tuesday, I think. He said, maybe I got to stop overthinking things and just play football maybe i gotta be more vocal out there maybe i gotta be more of a leader out there i think that was josh allen's biggest problem i think the last few weeks during this like kind of like not losing streak, but kind of like offenses down real bad i think josh allen his biggest problem is that he was playing too tight he was playing kind of robotic not in the sense of like moving or back in the pocket just mentally i think he was overthinking things and i think Last night, he really simplified things and just said, screw it. I'm just going to do what I'm going to do and get back to playing Josh Allen and Buffalo Bills brand of football. I think that was his problem this whole time. And speaking of that, um, well, we'll get to that in, in a minute later on with my final thoughts slash questions. Running back James Cook, I thought was a huge positive game for him as well. 14 carries, 67 yards, one and also one catch for six yards. I thought they should have given it to him more, but the problem was when the Bills feel like, and they were still leading, but when the Bills feel like a team is coming back, then they kind of pass the ball to try to ice the game. I thought there were multiple more situations where James Cook could have broke one or two big runs and gotten it more. We'll talk about how I want the running backs to divvy up going forward with James Cook and the Davies Murray in my final thoughts. Uh, next, we got a handful of weapons here first wide receiver Stefan Diggs I mean nine catches for 70 yards just 30 yards short of 100 yards he's on a tear this season but the reason why he didn't have 100 yards is because Josh Allen knew how to spread the ball around wide receiver Gabe Davis nine catches 87 yards and a touchdown and listen I'm not a hater but I last week my confidence for Gabe Dave, my confidence, I should say, for Gabe Davis was at an all-time low. I'm sure many of you guys as well, but me specifically, specifically, it was at an all-time low. He wasn't reliable. He wasn't getting enough volume. Wasn't getting open enough. But this week, this week, last night, he actually displayed some nice route running. Now he's still an average route runner at best. 
But I feel like he got about nine catches. I think that's the most he's, other than the huge, like, 200-yard, four-touchdown game in the playoff against the Chiefs. I think that's the most catches he's had in a regular season game his whole career, and it's his fourth year. And he wasn't just a deep shot. He only really had a couple of deep shots, including that touchdown. But I feel like six of the nine catchers are middle-of-the-field stuff. That's what I want to see from Gabe going forward. Sit softly in the zone, get open, improve your route running, and catch it and go down. Yeah, he doesn't have much run for catch, so he'll probably go right down. It wasn't just a big play. He showed stuff that he hasn't shown much middle of the field, nice nice enough route running. So that was nice, really nice to see. Wide receiver Khalil Shakir, six catches for 92 yards. He, uh, so... You know that, it, well, you may or may not know, but there's this segment on NFL Network that Kyle Brandt does in Good Morning Football called Angry Runs, and it can be anybody, running back, wide receiver, tight end, quarterback, and he alluded on Twitter that Khalil Shakir was going to be on Angry Runs this morning, um, uh, Tuesday, actually. Tom- it's Friday. I'm all messed up. On Tuesday, that Angry Runs. Khalil Shakir will be on there and he alluded to it because Khalil Shakir caught it. It was like an 11-yard pass, and it ended up being 25 yards because he went 14 more. He literally put his head on and like just stiff-armed the guy into orbit. It wasn't like a Derrick Henry on Josh Norman stiff arm a few years ago in that weird COVID nonsense game um, on that Tuesday night 5.30 thing. But um, this was pretty good by Khalil Shakir. He got in for a second receiver out of small-ish like Boise State. Fifth round pick out of Boise State second year, like I already said. This was awesome to see. I think I'll talk about the dynamics of him with Trent versus Trent Shrewfield and Deontay Hardy with the other slot receivers in my final thoughts again. Tight end, Dalton Kincaid. I mean, this was it. Last week we saw his breakout game. Last week against the Patriots, even though it was a loss, he was really the only lone bright spot. He had six catches for 75 yards, and he just built on that tonight. Last night, <laughs> five catches, 65 yards, and a touchdown for Dalton Kincaid. Again, in my final thoughts slash question segment, I towards the end of the episode here today, I do want to get into the dynamics of Quentin Morris, Dawson Knox being out, and how that affects going 12 personnel versus heavy 12 personnel and two tight end sets going versus the basic 11 personnel and one tight end set. I do want to get into those dynamics, but not quite yet. Don't kick a great. And then the entire offense line. I mean, everybody from Deion Dawkins on the left side all the way over to Spencer Brown on the right side. It was amazing. And Osiris Torrance, I was kind of talking about this with a, cu- a couple people uh, last night. Um, yeah, last night in a chat that Osiris Torrance, besides last week, last week, really rough game against the Patriots. But I think Osiris Torrance has been awesome this season. I think he's been awesome this season for a rookie. The moment, just like Dalton Kincaid, the moment doesn't look too big for him. And I'm, I'm viewing Osiris Torrance as a, as a five to ten year starter, as a very long term starter, starting guard in this offense line. And that's so, so refreshing to say as a fan and in this fan base as for a. Buffalo Bill for a Bills team that has really horrible guard play. Deion Dawkins at left tackle has had like a new, a different left guard, um, a different left guard starting next to him like every year of his career, even like two or three in one year, maybe. So, a Sarge Torrance is just 
five to ten years started. Besides the Patriots game, which is really horrible and awful and bad for him. I won't sugarcoat it, but the other six games, other than week seven against the Patriots again, was really, really good. I mean, Osiris Torrance is a road grader. He's actually been really well in pass protection. That was his one huge big knock coming out of Florida, and that's probably why he didn't get picked in the first round. But he's developed his pass protection really well. He's absolutely dominant as a road grader, as a run blocker. He's getting there as a pass blocker, but it's exceeded my expectations as a pass blocker. So when I say long-term, I mean like five to ten years. And then, so... If this offense line might be set. You have Deion Dawkins for the long-term at left tackle, Connor McGovern for the long-term at left guard, center if Mitch Morse kind of retires or does whatever in the next couple of years. You have Ryan Bates under contract for three more years, I think it is, so he can move over to your long-term center. And then you have Osiris Torrance as your long-term right guard. Again, hopefully five to ten-year, very long-term starter. And then Spencer Brown, if they re-sign him to a big-ish deal, Next offseason, winding's a free agent, or maybe before next season, before 2024, however you want to look at it and break it down, he can also be a long-term starter. So at, but at least four of these five starters are locked in for the very long-term or foreseeable future. And may, hopefully, especially for Osiris Torrance, years down the line. Um, let's flip over to defense. Stock up for a linebacker. Linebacker Terrell Renard. Eight tackles, two pass deflections. I just love this kid. Like He has been... The most surprising Bills player. The most surprising Bills player by far of the season so far. He is he worked great next to Matt Milano the first four weeks of the season. And then after that, when Matt Milano unfortunately got injured for a year with fractured leg and a torn ACL, just brutal. Um, he had to pick up the slack for him and Dorian Williams slash Tyrell Dotson at weak side slash outside linebacker next to him. But eight tackles, two pass deflection. He's got a motor, and he's sneaky athletic too, and he's always around the ball. He's always causing chaos, and he would have had an interception. He didn't get his hands in, but Baker threw kind of a duck. It was tipped at the line by, I think, Jordan Phillips early in the first half, and Terrell Bernard was this close. It hit the ground right in front of him. If he had dove just a second earlier, I think it would have been a pick. Not the pick six, but I think it would have been an interception for Terrell Bernard. But he's got instincts, man. Football instincts. He's always around the ball, and he's got sneaky, sneaky athleticism and speed. Uh, I've been very pleased with him. And for the year, it's well documented on this podcast. I was not a fan. I think the Bills had – I thought the Bills had messed up with the middle linebacker. Terrell Tyrell Dotson was underperforming. Terrell Bernard missed the whole preseason, the whole three or four weeks with – a hamstring injury. Bainlin Spector is back to having a hamstring injury, and really, he's just a special teams guy only. So I was nervous, but Terrell Bernard, I mean, stepped up in the biggest way. Uh, a few def- uh, handful of defensive linemen here that I thought had good enough showings. Defensive end AJ Peninsula, two tackles, one sack, nothing special, but I thought I would shout him out. Kind of defensive end Greg Rousseau. Three tackles, two QBS. He was quiet in the first half, but the second half, in high-pressure situations when the Bills needed to force the Bucks to punt, he showed up. Defense tackle at Oliver, two tackles, one sack. So we only had three sacks in the day, night, I should say, because Adrian Benazza, then at Oliver, then Taron Johnson, which corner blitz. Uh, defensive tackle, Puna Ford, five, two tackles, one QBS. 
finally someone showed some signs of life at defensive tackle next to Ed Oliver there in the interior, finally. Um, cornerback Christian Benford, what a game. Three tackles, two pass deflections. I know he got – I know he got – Kind of like he didn't get mossed. I know Mike Evans caught that touchdown over him when, and then the, they got the two point conversion as well. When the Bucks went from <clears throat> down 24 10 to 24 18, but that was just unlucky, man. Right, right place, right time. I mean, it bounced Christian Bedford had great coverage on Mike Evans and it bounced right off Christian Bedford's helmet. But Mike Evans is 6'5. I mean, it, it ricocheted right in, carried right into his hands. Uh, but he had two key, key path breakups on the last few drives in the fourth quarter. Cornerback Josh Norman, he he didn't really play any defense at all, I don't think. No, he didn't. But, my God, two tackles on special teams on the kick return for uh, Devin Tompkins, or the Buccaneers kick and punt returner. But on two kick returns, Josh Norman, what a – the first one wasn't as big of it. The first one, though, he kind of got in for mind. The second one, though, my God. You could hear that ripple through the stadium. What a hit. What a stick on that one. He just, he didn't lower his head. It wasn't dirty, but he just slammed him. I mean, what a hit that was. So Josh Norman, we've talked about the dynamics of him and Kyrie Elam being inactive and all that, but what a special teams contribution from him in a hard-hitting corner. At 35 years old, he had nice closing speed as well. couple safeties here. Safety Jordan Poyer, eight tackles, two pass deflections, one forced fumble. Uh, Micah Hyde. Four tackles, one pass deflection, one QB hit. Um, the Bills seem like they're sending their safeties more and safety their whole secondary for that matter, because Taron Johnson also had a sack. But their two safeties in Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde on safety blitzes more often than not than maybe even this season. I want to talk about Jordan Poyer though. This is they've got some interesting defensive alignments, um, if you will. Sean McDermott as the new defensive coordinator and defensive play car. Because you had Terrell Bernard at linebacker. But now they're bringing, they're bringing Jordan Poyer down into the box because they like how he's not really athletic, but they like how um, physical he is. Mike Hyde's more the coverage corner. He gets he has more ball skills. He gets more of the interceptions. And Jordan Poyer is the better tackler, not by far, but he's the better tackler. And he comes with that nasty swagger that Micah may not have because he hits way harder than Micah. I feel like. But they brought Drew Employer down to the box, and they took Tyrell Dotson off the field. That's And then they put Taylor Rapp at safety next to um, Micah Hyde at the backfield there. So they have Terrell Bernard linebacker and Drew Employer at the other linebacker. And then way back here, they, ha- uh, way back here, they have uh, Micah Hyde and Taylor Rapp as traditional safeties. And by the way, Taylor Rapp, what a soft, soft call by the refs on the first drive of the game for the Bucs. No, not first drive. Within the first few drives of the game for the Bucs. He was throwing it up to Chris Godwin, I think it was. And Taylor Rapp made a beautiful play on the ball. He made a beautiful breakup. And the rest said it was a defensive pass interference on Taylor Rapp because he put his shoulder into the guy's shoulder. <laughs> it wasn't helmet helmet or anything. He didn't have his arms back to his back like this. He didn't hold his wrist or anything. He literally... He'd even slam his shoulder. It was a great play on the ball. I'm not considering a penalty for Taylor Rapp. Crap call by the refs. The refs were fine in this game, but that was really, really egregious and soft call. But I thought that was interesting how they're moving around Jordan Poyer between Trisha's safety coming up in the back as a linebacker. Um, 
I thought that was interesting because you got really two hard-hitting linebackers there, though, now in Terrell Bernard and Jordan Poyer. And Jordan Poyer's lack of athleticism is offset by Terrell Bernard's athleticism. So that's really interesting. And then I guess because the Taylor Rapp role week one against the Jets, it was a disaster. And since then, he hasn't really played. But this week, he played quite a bit, actually, or as much as he could, I should say because Jordan Poyer was in the box at linebacker next to Terrell Bernard. I just thought that was really interesting, and they're getting kind of creative, and I kind of like it. So, um, Next, kicker Tyler Bass, 101 field goals, 37-yarder, whatever. But for a guy that's only made one field goal in his last four tries, so coming in today's game, he's one, in, um, one of four. One of four in his last four field goals. It was really refreshing to see him make one again. Yeah, 37 yards. He actually almost missed it. Um, It was really close. It shouldn't have been that close, but whatever. And then punter Sam Martin. It's a punter. What, what can they do? I'll tell you what they can do. Sam Martin is a punting guy. He's a punting weapon. For my money, he's one of the best punters in the league. Uh, He had four punts. Three of them were inside the 20. One was at the two. He pinned the Bucks at the two. One he pinned the Bucks at the four, and one he pinned the Bucks at the eight. And the other one was like a touchback. Um, but he had four punts total. So uh, this isn't the order, but touchback, pin the Bucks at the two, pin the Bucks at the four, pin the Bucks at the eight. I mean, um, it, it was it was great. Sam Martin was a weapon and punting, and that's probably now there are a couple fourth and ones, fourth and twos that I thought they should have gone on it with um gone for I should say to ice the game here and there, but now I understand why they didn't because you have Sam Martin, who's a punting weapon. That probably played into the decisions because Sam Martin was just having a beautiful and perfect night. Uh, Next stock up, Deontay Hardy is a putt returner. So now he got very seldom um, snaps on offense, if at all. I don't really see him at all. Definitely not a target, but I don't think he got any even one snap on offense, which is weird. But him as a punt returner... He had two really nice punters. The one wasn't a penalty on the Bills. Um, the one was like a 20-yard run, and he set him up at the Bills 40. And then the other one, he would have set up at the Bills 40. Again, the second one this is, but it was a penalty, so it drew him back to like the 20-yard line. Um, so we'll talk about that when we get to stack down. But even without the penalty, I thought the interior was really explosive. And something we haven't seen from them this season, I don't know if it's the turf toe still lingering from last year on the Saints there. But, yeah, he wasn't as explosive this year as he was touted coming in, but he finally showed it last night. Uh, tackling, huge stuck up. The big, even in wins, wins or losses really, but especially in uh, losses we noticed it more obviously, the big thing with this team is missed tackling, especially last week. Linebacker Dorian Williams had a 25% missed tackle rate. Um, even before they got injured, stars like Tredavious White, Trey White, Matt Milano, they had really high missed tackle rates. Milano was like around 20%, and Trey White was around like 17 18%. And really, um, <clears throat> last night there were no missed tackling. I think there were only a couple missed tackles, but nothing that really like affected huge gains or anything. So the, they wrapped up really, really nicely. And Josh Norman shot out on those special teams for those two huge hits. Uh Tackling, big, big stuck up. And then involvement for weapons other than Stefan Diggs. Last week, it was the last couple of weeks, it's been lack of involvement for weapons other than Stefan Diggs. But now I think 
Stephen Diggs doesn't need to have 100 yards every week. Yeah, 70 is still great, but it's only 30 yards shy of 100, but he doesn't need to because you have guys like Dalton Kincaid whose the moment isn't too big for him as a rookie out of Utah for something. You have guys like Khalil Shakir who are really having a quietly breakout season in their second year with an angry run. And then you have guys like Gabe Davis who's improving his route running, it seems like, last night. At least it was on display. And only a couple of deep shots last night in the middle of the field development. And you have a guy like, wait, Khalil Shakir. No, that's what all I want to talk about. But Shakir, Kincaid, and Davis are stepping up. I just want to see Cook use way more out of the backfield, but that's really neither here nor there because it didn't affect really much of anything. But, yeah, Stephen Diggs doesn't need to be the guy every week. I know he's still the guy, but he doesn't have to be the 100-yard guy every week. Uh, Mix, next, these players, I only have a player and kind of a coach, but these two uh, guys, players here aren't really – didn't hurt their stack. They didn't impress. They didn't really do much up or down. They just kind of were ordinary. They were what they were. Corner Taron Johnson. So I said we had three sacks on the night. AJ Panessa, Ed Oliver, and Taron Johnson was the third one. And like I said, that's great because the Bills, Sean McDermott's continuing to dial up safety blitzes. I mean, this uh, secondary blitzes, corners and safeties with Johnson, Hyde, and Poyer. This man loved to blitz last night, especially in the first half. First drive, he was blitzing like crazy. And the Bucs couldn't really take advantage of, of it downfield. But Taron Johnson had six tackles, one sack. I did ding him on the one. He gave up that one touchdown to Chris Godwin that made it 10-7 to because it was 10 nothing. So Chris Godwin pretty much wide open all night. I mean, 7-11 open like Chris Hogan. <laughs> Maybe not to that level. But he was pretty much open all night because he had – and Taron Johnson was on him most of the time. And that touchdown Chris Godwin got – to make it go from 10 nothing to 10-7, Bills win leading by three, was basically the same route Taron Johnson got beat on last week for what would end up being the game-winning touchdown catch by Patriots tight end Mike Kosicki. So very eerily similar. Taron Johnson, he had a couple of whiffs in coverage last night. And then offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey. Now, I know people are going to say, oh, what about that Josh design QB run? I explained it in the beginning. Josh called his own number on that. That was all Josh. Well, what about – this and well, what about this and that? You know, um, I feel like Ken Dorsey needs to involve James Cook out of the backfield more. Now, it was good that Ken Dorsey, this is the good part, Ken Dorsey schemed up and let Josh Allen know, hey, get all our weapons involved Diggs, Kincaid, Davis, Shakir, all of them, Cook out of the backfield, hopefully moving forward. But my point is, I feel like this was more Josh Allen being Josh Allen taking over this offense and dictating terms more than Ken Dorsey in his ear dictating terms and we'll talk about that later with all the audibles and all that uh stock down these are guys that really kind of hurt themselves or just i was expecting maybe more than we saw running back latavius murray five carries for seven yards and one catch for four yards every time now latavius murray's role is short yardage and goal line as we know but even even when he was needed for that he got one yard or sometimes tackled one one yard one yard or one yard or sometimes tackled for loss. He couldn't even get short yardage like his role is supposed to be defined as. I thought he looked very slow and robotic out there last night. Uh, Latavius Murray, that is again. Defensive line, Leonard Floyd, two tackles, one QB hit. He whiffed on a couple would be sacks. I mean, 
eh. the Bucks offensive line pretty played pretty good. Let's be honest, until maybe late in the game. Sean McDermott would love to help those blitzes. Leonard Floyd was flying around. He just whiffed and a couple would-be sacks. Defensive tackle Jordan Phillips, one pass deflection, one QB hit. What has he done? Like, he has no excuse. He's perfectly healthy. I don't understand. Why is he continuing to start at Al- next to Ed Oliver? Um, we finally showed some signs of life here from a defensive tackle other than Ed Oliver on the active roster, being Puna Ford. Start him for all I care. Elevate, sign Elianco permanently, or at least elevate him a few times. You have three elevations allowed per player per team. So why don't elevate him and have him outstaff Jordan Phillips and Tim Settle and have him, Puna Ford, and Ed Oliver as the top three defensive tackles? Not in that order. It would probably be Oliver, Puna Ford, and Elianco, and then Tim Settle and Jordan Phillips. I really don't care about because they've been disappointing. But Jordan Phillips, like, you have 347 pounds, and last week against the Patriots, he got blew up, blown off blocks. And then this week, he had a clutch sack, but it was taken back because last night he got a face mask. That's how it was a sack because he pulled the guy's face, offensive lineman's face mask, and got to Baker. So, and then late game, these are kind of situational, these last two. Late-game defensive penalty, not players, late-game defensive penalties. Listen, the Bucks on fourth and whatever, on fourth and four, I think it was, they threw an incomplete pass. Baker threw an incomplete pass. Great. Bills are going to take over on downs. This game's over. It was illegal contact by, I think it was Taron Johnson. And then the second one, it, for some next drive, uh, same drive, but, Next set of downs into a fourth and two. Jordan Phillips gets a sack. Great. We're going to take over on downs. This game's over. Turnover on downs. This game's over. And Jordan Phillips got there because he pulled a little face mask on the offensive lineman of the Bucks. And we know what the Bucks did. They got that late game touchdown. But that's stuff you cannot have. Another reason why Taron Johnson was in mix. Illegal contact by Taron Johnson on that guy's. And then Jordan Phillips negated a sack because of a face mask. You got to know situational stuff. I mean, good thing we still won, but if we had lost, that would have that would have been a meltdown for me because they shot themselves in the foot, and the Bills tend to do this in clutch situations. And then lastly, for Stockdown, offense stalling out in the second half. Listen to this. The entire offense, they only scored seven points in the entire second half because it was 17 to 10 at halftime. 17 plus 7, 24. They won 24 to 18. The Bucks scored 11 in the second half. The Bills scored 7. That The offense scored 7. They really stalled out. And they punted four times in a row to end the game. Other than, I will give them credit, the opening drive touchdown was really of the third quarter, the second half and third quarter was really the best offensive drive slash series the Bills have had in literally a month. I'm not exaggerating. I mean, it was just beautiful. And then Gabe Davis got basically, I saw this in next-gen stats, he had 9.2 yards of separation, which is the second most yards of separation by a touchdown by any player this season. I mean, he was, oh, in a wide-open sea of blue in that touchdown, basically. I mean, because the touchdown's painted blue, whatever. (laughs) Uh, Bad joke. But... Yeah, wide open. and But after that, they stalled. And in the fourth quarter, punt, 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 punt. Luckily, the defensive, luckily, the defense, they didn't get that Hail Mary. Chris Godway didn't look up enough. But 
to end the game with punt, 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 punt four times in a row, that's got to be fixed. You can't stall out. In the last few weeks, what have we been saying? This team, this Bills team starts so slowly. They they always look like they're sleepwalking through first half of games. It's been first half of games last few weeks, slow, sleepwalking. Second half of games last few weeks, all right, let's go. We're back in it. Everyone celebrate. Woohoo. And but this uh last night, I should say, it was it was flipped, if you will. Not if you will, it was. It was flipped. First half, they came out blazing. I mean blazing. Everyone's celebrating. Josh looked elite. Josh was on point. Josh was calling his own plays. And then and then the second half, again, besides the opening drive, third quarter one, uh, second half opening drive slash series, it was back to sleepwalking and stalling out and four punts in a row to end. So it was basically flipped the script, if you will. We need to find a way moving forward to play whole, complete games. Ken Dorsey, I loved how he schemed up everybody, but some of his play calling at certain situations is kind of eh. And then miss opportunities on offense. Kind of when I introduced this episode, remember in the beginning, I'll go by now, but remember in the beginning of this episode, I said, yes, the Bills won 24 to 18, but they could have pushed 38-39 if really they didn't have those four punts in a row to end the game, but especially if they, they had gone more with like situational common sense. I don't know how else to put it because in the second quarter you have you're on the one yard line, right? You know, you're on the one yard line. And at that point it was 17 to 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at that point it was 17 to 10. And you're on the one yard line. And it's second down or man, third down. And what does and Dorsey tells Josh to do what he loves to do. Tells Josh to go in shotgun. And a third down run by Latavius Murray, they got like one yard. You're telling me from the one-yard line, you're telling me from the one-yard line, Ken Dorsey, that your 6'5", 240-pound alien robot of a quarterback and Josh Allen can't get a freaking yard? That's BS, that's ridiculous. He can get a yard. And then on fourth down, you choose to not you choose to decline to do it again. You don't use common sense again because you have Josh Allen roll out to his left and then throw it for Dalton Kincaid in its great coverage, banned down by a defense, Bucks ball. Luckily they had to put on that, but Bucks ball. If you had just declining to run your 6'5, 240-pound quarterback and Josh Allen not once, but twice, twice in a row, declining to run him to get a try to get a yard. That's that's a questionable choice for sure, and that's why I put Ken Dorsey in mix. And that would have gone from seventeen ten to twenty four ten, and it would have been thirty one ten. So, like I said, that's at least another seven points. So it would have been thirty one on the day. But I'm declining to do that. It's just ridiculous. Twice in a row, come on. My big slice of the game awards. Um, who really impressed? Tight end Dalton Kincaid. He was it last week. He was the lone, lone bright speed spot last week. He was it last week. He's gonna um do it get it again this week for me. Now I could have I just really considered Khalil Shakir or Gabe Davis as well. All of them really deserve it, but Dalton Kincaid just because he's a rookie, but the moment never looks too big for him. And he actually did okay in pass blocking. Uh, as a blocker, he's still a below average blocker, but he actually did okay last night. He even drew a flag on the one Buccaneers defensive lineman who kind of dragged him to the ground on the block. Uh, next award now, before I reveal the name, 
if you've been watching all season, you know it. Even dating back to preseason, you know it. But I define it as this. Say every – so paint a picture like this. Imagine this you're on every Friday, or if you actually do this, every Friday night you go, you have a family and friends like pizza night or whoever it is, and you go to this local pizza shop and you're expecting high quality, you know, it's so good, everyone raves about it. But then this one weird Friday night, you get a burnt slice, the pizza's burnt, a slice is burnt. So, hence why my burnt slice of the game more. This is a player that really disappointed defensive tackle Jordan Phillips, he's getting blown off blocks. He, he has a sack wiped away with a face mask. Um, Yeah, I really don't know why he's still starting there. Ed Oliver. Have Elian Gustav, Puna Ford start. I don't care at this point. Him and Tim Settle, duds, done nothing. Uh, Next, reflecting on my five game predictions from the preview. Um, This is pretty simple. I just say my five game predictions from Monday's preview if a Monday. Wednesday's preview of the day before the game if they happened or didn't happen. Uh, Josh Allen has at least 50 rushing yards. That didn't happen, but I'll take it, it was nine shy, but I'll take a rushing touchdown instead. But if he had nine more, I would have gotten that one, but that didn't happen. Deontay Hardy out snaps Gabe Davis. That didn't happen at all. I don't think Deontay Hardy had a single snap on offense, and Gabe Davis really showed out and expanded his repertoire, if you will. Uh, Duncan Gay gets his first touchdown of the season and his career. That happened. That was the one I was most hoping for, and I ha have predicted since, like, week three, week four. So that happened. Next, Taron Johnson has an interception. That didn't happen. Taron Johnson goes in mix. He was kind of eh. So, uh, yeah. But it is what it is. The Bills haven't gotten an interception. Now, fumble is a different story, but the Bills haven't gotten an interception. Terrell Bernard was so close if he dove a second earlier. But... Still, the Bills haven't got an interception in like four or five weeks. So, um, next, lastly, this isn't player related, but I said Bills would win the game twenty-seven to twenty-four. So the Bills won, but exact score wasn't right. So I'm gonna give myself a half a point for that. So I got the Josh Allen, or no wait, I got the Dunk Gate has his first touchdown of the season and career right, and I got half a point for the Bills winning, but not the exact score. Because I predicted 27-24, and they won 24-18. Honestly, not too far off, but Bills didn't have 20. Bills didn't. Bills had 24, not Bucks. But anyway, yeah, so I'm like 1.5 out of 5 in that. That's a 30% hit rate. I calculated last night when I was making this show notes here for today's episode. That was – I've been brutal, let's be honest, on these predictions. So at the end of the year, there's going to be 85 total prediction because five each game. In 17 games, obviously, so eight, uh, 17 times 5, so 17, 34, 51, 68, 85, quick math, so I'm probably not going to be good. Something out of 85 is probably going to be terrible. Uh, final thoughts, those questions, this can be certain situational stuff, as I've explained before on past episodes, as recent as last week, and this can be certain, like, position group stuff. First, though, going up-tempo in no huddle clearly works for the for Josh Allen in this offense, so keep doing it going forward. Keep doing it going forward. Now, this is how you don't sleepwalk in the first half. Second half, different story. My Again, mine's the opening drive of the third quarter slash second half. Both can be true. But um, they went up-tempo. No huddle, if you're not familiar, it's what it says, no huddle. You basically call a few plays, a string of uh, plays here and there, so you don't have to go back to the huddle. Uh, you basically call a bulk of plays in one huddle 
for the whole drive. So you don't have to, or most of the drive. So you don't have to go back to the huddle after every single play and waste time and nonsense on the clock. So I really like up-tempo and Josh Allen. I kind of alluded to this before. I don't think it was much Ken Dorsey putting him in the right spots. I think Josh Allen really called simplified things for himself and had extreme confidence in himself and really called a lot of his own plays. I heard tons of audibles last night. Way more audibles than I've heard from Josh this whole season. And it was apparent on the mic that you could hear those audibles. But going up-tempo and no huddle really helps this offense. They got to a blazing, blazing start because of it. So don't go away from it. Uh, next, this is very simple. James Cook needs to get the bulk of the running back touches. And Latavius Murray's role needs to be relegated to just certain situations such as short yardage and goal line stuff. I don't. Latavius Murray doesn't provide much for me. Even in short yards and goal and stuff last night, he didn't do much. One yard, two yards at most, tackle for loss sometime, most of the time. Uh, sometimes, I should say. James Cook is much more athletic, much more elusive, much younger than Latavius Murray, like 10 years younger than Latavius Murray. Murray's like 33, and Cook is like 23. <laughs> so, a whole decade, 10 years younger. Uh, I don't understand. And my ideal is James Cook gets five to ten touches a game, rushing and receiving, and Latavius Murray gets like five to eight touches a game. Latavius Murray needs to have a specific role, and that's short yardage and goal line if he can even handle that from last night. But James Cook needs to get at least 80, 85% pushing of the running back snaps going forward. Uh, next, Khalil Shakir. This is really exciting. Khalil Shakir has clearly established himself as the most as the best receiver out of the Shakir, Hardy, Sherfield slot receiver group, this is key and should continue to be a big part of the offense going forward. Your top option is Stefan Diggs. I think Dalton Kincaid, your second option, um, has clearly established himself as Dalton Kincaid, I should say, has clearly established himself as the second off option in this offense. And third can be Shakir and Gabe Davis can be fourth. If that's your fourth option, that's a great, great, excellent fourth option to have in Gabe Davis. Khalil Shakir is really budding into not starving. He's having a quiet break, quietly a breakout season for us. Next, even when Quentin Morris and or both Dawson Knox returns from injury, I don't really foresee the Bills going back to a, a 12 personnel offense as, as traditional baseline 11 personnel seemingly works better for them and what they want to do differently. Even before Dustin Knox got injured and was placed on IR and got wrist surgery, because of the wrist surgery, I should say, this is how it was trending. Donkey Gay was becoming the load tight end on the field most of the time, so I don't think they're going back to that. It clearly worked, and it opens up Kalusha Gear as a starting slot receiver to have big production. So go! I was so excited for 11 personnel, 12 personnel, I should say, two tight end sets before the year, but clearly... It got too complicated, so this team simplify it with 11 personnel, which they're seemingly committed to right by now and currently. Uh, Sean McDermott wasn't kidding when he said that the Bills will continue to ramp up Von Miller game by game. Is Von Miller seemingly regress, relegated to just certain situations right now? Now, I have a question coming up here about Von Miller and injury and all that. But he's right now he's basically relegated to comes in for obvious pass down situations, late game situations. Um, he he's just not as quick right now. I feel like, but this brings up the question though: Did Van Miller come back too soon? I don't think he came back too soon, but I could see the argument because 
he's not playing as much as hopefully fans and himself, honestly, and the coaches in front office and being a McDermott wanted him to. He doesn't look as agile and quick out there. Like I said, he's relegated and pinholed, pigeonholed really to just um, obvious passing downs in late game situations and clutch got to have it situations. Um, towards the end here, even so, even though Puna Ford finally had a good game, like not great, keyword good. I've still been highly, very underwhelmed and disappointed and extremely frustrated with this season with the defensive tackles currently on the roster outside of Ed Oliver. And a move for a defensive tackle at the trade deadline is a necessity at this point. Now, the other day, I think it was Tuesday, yeah, Tuesday earlier this week, I made a trade deadline video highlighting, spotlighting one defensive tackle on the market that we could trade for. He's on the San Francisco 49ers. You can probably find out from context clues from, I just said, defensive tackle on the 49ers. But if you don't, I don't want to spoil it. Go watch that video. I dive into what he would provide and stuff. But I like Elianku, but if he's signed that active roster, elevated a few times, at this point in the season, what's he really going to do? I mean, I like him, but he can't be your answer next to Ed Oliver. Something needs to happen. Uh, next. I got quite a few final thoughts, and obviously, in questions. Tyrell Dotson seems to be the guy going forward at the other linebacker spot next to Terrell Bernard. But if it were me, up to me, I would have, I would have played and continue to play Doran Williams. Let, for my logic, I would say let your rookie, let your rookie grow in game with different situations as they arise and take his lumps and difficulties as they come. Plus, Williams provides way more upside as well. So Williams is way more athletic. Williams has, is a defensive tackling machine, but he kind of has the Tremaine Edmonds problem where he takes bad angles and he over-pursues the guy in ball and he plays too fast sometimes. Although, I will say, although if neither Dotson or Williams work out, don't rule out a move for a linebacker at the trade deadline this year, it's still very possible. So yeah, I don't, have any AFC East check-in this week or AFC standings. Obviously, we have the very first game of the week, uh, which was last night, Thursday Night Football against the Buccaneers. Again, Bills beat the Buccaneers 24-18. to So that's very good. We could have pushed for more points. There were a few missed opportunities here and there, I feel like. But anyways, guys, what are we looking at next? We have a mini bye week. So for 10 days from now, we have on November 5th, I should say, we have the Bengals on Sunday Night Football. We'll get to that preview next Wednesday. Next Monday, I have something cool planned, kind of like a midseason report on the Buffalo Bills type thing, but a cool spin in it. Anyways, you can follow me on Twitter at at 13 You can follow the show on Twitter at Around Slice. You can uh, support me on Patreon for just $3 a month. You get extra suits of content, such as weekly power rankings and all that. Patreon.com slash Around Slice. Uh, you can watch this, listen to this podcast on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. And I will, favorite podcast, I should say, and I will see you in three days on uh, next, on Monday for some uh, cool bonus episode in our mini bye week. Anyways, guys, again, Bills Week Buccaneers 2014, and I will see you in a few days. Bye. Thanks for watching or listening.